0: Hello and welcome to episode 9 of People of Glasgow. I'm your host and pyjama gangster Raymond Williams and in this episode I talk to Jed Neal. Jed is a transformational coach. He's the founder of Dynamic Creations where he helps people through techniques such as meditation, hypnosis and NLP. Show notes for this episode are available at peopleofglasgow.co.uk forward slash 9 As always that's the number 9, not the word. To suggest a guest or comment on the show, please check out the website, or you can email peoglasgow at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at PeopleGlasgow. There's not all of in there. And now, on to the show. Easy now. So just to set the table here, what is dynamic creation?
1: So dynamic creation is really just a name I made up myself, Raymond. Um, I just had a wee look, I was going to start. Doing some some training, different courses and stuff like that. I was doing uh, therapy, NLP. Um, really, the idea to get into corporate events, and I just looked about different names, and it was in my mind for a period, and then I just dynamic creation. So I looked as what, what does dynamic mean? Because I've done a lot of dynamic meditations, and, and then creation, what does creation mean? So I just looked at them, and then I got right it from a thesaurus dictionary definition. And um, and just wake me up.
0: And how long ago did you start getting into things like the self help, hypnotherapy, all these things?
1: Oh, self help is uh, so. I started meditating when I was nineteen. At um, what age now? Forty-one now. So a long time ago, actually. And when when, when I say meditation, it wasn't in the form that I, I meditate just now. So it was more um, Yogurt, breathing type techniques, yogic yogic type breathing and basic yoga exercises, um, which then evolved into um, meditation, different forms of meditation, which then evolved into, I went to see a guy called Jack Black, who's a Scottish personal development guy, who's done brilliant, fantastic. So I went to see him, we done a free event last August 2017, and uh, Legacy Hub and the Calton. But, um after the Commonwealth game, they left the Lagos Cup. So I went and seen him, and he was using forms of meditation for goal setting. Followed up, across the day, and then I went to see him again in November on a paid course, which is a 100 quid or so, and he takes you on a, a guided form of meditation. And during the course of that, um, there was different options that you could choose. And I said, well, I'll choose hypnotherapy. You go through this process, and that's where hypnotherapy came up. So it's been a that was a year ago almost and um, and it's been non stop ever since. Learning new courses, loads and loads of courses this year. It's incredible actually the amount of training and courses it's been uh, the time has been a uh, massive, massive amounts of time going on that.
0: So what's like the the tipping point? What's the bit you step from doing it for yourself to doing it as a company? Aye, so, so I've always been a great believer that when you learn some information, the
1: best way to reinforce that is to tell somebody else about it, to teach somebody else about it because you, you learn it yourself. So the first course that I done was through the Harvest Clinic in Glasgow. So I, typed, I, I googled hypnotherapy. There's lots of providers come up. For some reason I was drawn to the Harvest Clinic. I actually, when I'm talking about it, I believe I may have looked at it before as well. At some point, maybe certainly within a year before last year, um, and they did a course through the London College of Clinical Hypnotherapy. And because it says international at the end they it, it may be Drew's. So I phoned them up and, um, and they on a course uh, four months I believe It was over a number of weekends. um, And it was a certificate in hypnosis and a... Uh, certificate in stress and relaxation therapy so that that's where it really started and that finished I believe in March but the story gets more than that I went to a dynamic meditation course I found out that Jack Black used to be a Silver Method graduate and I'm a great component in NLP modeling so if you like somebody um, and you like what they do and that's through in any area of life then what you would do is is find out what is it that they've done because if you would like to do what they, they're doing or you like what, what they do, then if you would like to replicate that, then it's likely that you should do exactly what they done. So I found out he was a silver Method graduate, which is a former self-hypnosis, but in relation to goal setting um, and really just visualisation, creative visualisation, they call it dynamic meditation. Because I was on that course and because of goal setting, you draft some goals. So one of the goals i done was I would quite like to be um, get involved in corporate training. Now to get involved in corporate training, for certainly the training providers that I have been there are exceptional in the corporate world. So I learn to communicate in front of large groups of people about a subject and taking them on a journey, I thought it would be beneficial if I stood up and started communicating in front of people. So double edge. So... Two things, firstly, to learn some information, teach it, but also to learn how to communicate in front of people, you need to stand in front of people. Cause I booked the Silver Method course, which is a four day basic series course um, on Eventbrite. I realized that you can just create something on Eventbrite for free. So I, I booked a whole just up the road in Campus Lang first. I think it, the first one was called Stress Management Goal Setting and Dynamic Meditation for three hours. Put it on event The tickets were £10 and £6, I think the cost was, and 87 people booked up. Now I just assumed that possibly 5, 10, 15 people probably people that I would have knew, would have turned up just because it was me, Dana, more and we'll just show a bit of support. So, um, and because there are 87 people, and lots of people have got phobias about public speaking, lots and lots of people You know to do presentations for their work lecturers and um, colleges, universities, best main speeches, so lots of people have got phobias and generally the phobias are because of some experience that they've had in the past relating to communicating in front of people. Generally for lots of people it goes right back to the school times where maybe they've been asked to answer a question in front of people, it's possible they've not verbalized it properly, they've got the wrong answer. There could be a combination, but generally what would happen there is, is that if people started laughing, if they were ridiculed because of that, then they would feel embarrassment, they would feel shame. And how the mind works is, the mind just takes a snapshot of any sensations that happen in the body, particularly whether they're good or whether they're negative for you. And then people then start developing beliefs that if they start talking in front of people, then people will start laughing at them as well and it starts getting into a process where they start trying to predict the future events that may happen where they need to talk in front of people and they start turning on the stress response alone so 87 people i've got experiences very similar to that in my past i'm in the toilet listening to the language here saying to myself come on you are meant to be a stress and relaxation therapist and the stress response is entirely switched on. There's many sensations that happen in the body when the stress response switches on. One of the most visual things for me is, is that I start sweating. And I've experiences in my past where it's not been appropriate to start sweating because, particularly at school, people think if you're sweating then you're obviously flapping. So then you get so you see you can see how it starts um, creating phobic responses inside you. So even that use of the language. When the truth of the matter is is that I was an actual stress and relaxation therapist, albeit this is the first time that I did an opportunity to stand in front of people and tell people the sensations of stress, what happens during the stress response, the physical and the psychological symptoms of stress, teach deep abdominal breathing. So a full process about self-induced relaxation. So because of that it was a it was good feedback. So I looked at that Seen how I was responding in front of speaking people. The, I, the idea of doing this is that the goal is to go into the corporate world to to teach people either managing change, stress management, coaching. Um, so it was a good um, it was a good measure from where I where I was. And then what that then went so well with seven people. Why would you know do another one? I have done it monthly thereafter. That's when went to every two weeks, and now it's been up to every. Every week, albeit I'm going to give it a mess this week because I'm so busy. And a lot of that is just free. People are suffering from massive amounts of stress, teaching people different techniques about dynamic forms of meditation. Um, and as a result of that, within 13 times of doing that, I'm able to communicate much better. So now that I am I am getting into the corporate world, into businesses and organisations, charities, I feel as if I'm able to communicate much better. So... The idea is, is, let's get, there's the goal there. They know these, a goal, is very small steps, stones just taking us closer to you know, one step at a time, one course at a time, one event at a time. So that, that was the idea behind it, and that's a bit of history.
0: Okay, and this is, I guess, a kind of, you know, a bit too general a question. So the benefit of hypnosis, is so just, like, setting yourself up to replace negative Images in your head, for lack of a better term, positive ones?
1: Well, there'd be different techniques that you could use for that. Well, there's a lot of um, holistic, psychosensory types of therapies that have been, um, well, I don't know how long they've been about, but certainly for the last year that I've become very interested in them, I've come across a number which have been hugely beneficial. Um, So there's hypnosis, which is a longer process. There's NLP, which is a bit faster. There is um, the havening technique, which is massively faster for trauma, um, and there's tarp, which is good for stress and stuff like that as well. So there's lots and lots of different techniques. The idea between hypnotherapy is, is that you get people into a state of relaxation. So the idea is, is that me and you are communicating right now through our, at the beta level of mind, which means that the frequencies in one mind are much, much faster because we're processing through our senses a ton of data so we're seeing lots of stuff we're hearing we can feel the, the temperature in the room you would also sense touch feel so you see people get a good sense of stuff there's also um smell and taste so like tons of data is pouring into our central nervous system just now my brain's moving to process that things that i'm saying just now will then you'll Take this information, we'll go into your associated memory, you'll be looking to see if you can associate that with any past experiences. So there's lots and lots of stuff going on just now. You, the, the basis of hypnosis is 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 hypnosis is a form of relaxation. It's just to get it deeper levels in the mind. But then when you look at the therapy, which is two things, which is hypnosis and then it's therapy. So the hypnosis part is getting somebody into a, a deep state of relaxation beyond the conscious world of the senses and then you would then look to do some therapy therapy so the idea with hypnosis is you move through conscious mind get into a state of relaxation break through the analytical or the activating system of our mind and drop into the unconscious part of the mind which is like where beliefs were values were attitudes were habitual responses or conditioned um responses to lots of things that were at were identity Huge, huge amount of stuff that we are not consciously aware of at this moment in time you because you're communicating with me you're no consciously aware of your daughter's name but now you are consciously aware of it because it's just come into your conscious mind you're no consciously aware of where you are, but now that you are so these are things that are all under there. but under that as well is also beliefs that we have so some people have got beliefs in their life that really at some point or another they developed this belief or these values because it was a protective measure it was necessary at that time in their life to develop these values these beliefs now it could be like in a, a an alcoholic home you may have a, a parents who are drug addicts it could have been domestic abuse in the house there could have been abandonment for whatever level emotionally abandonment actually abandonment there could have been other traumatic experiences that happened in your childhood and it could be for instance bullying at school ridiculed at school a whole bunch of stuff that can be happened. now we can form beliefs about ourselves as a result of these then when we start becoming an adult and we start developing challenges in our relationships in terms of commitments we start having fears in our life and it's these are then starting to have impacts on other areas of our life and we're not entirely sure well why this is happening so it could be like for instance stuff you would look at in hypnotherapy it could be weight loss it could be insomnia it could be various forms of phobias it could be smoking there's a whole range tinnitus whole range of stuff that hypnotherapy can be hugely beneficial for and the idea is is that you get somebody you, you perform hypnosis so you do an induction technique to get them to shut your eyes and then you would go through a series of deepeners to get them into a deep um hypnotic state when you're nice deep trance and the idea is is that you move from the levels of your mind and you start during hypnosis many people are very aware of what's going on so you know, they remember what's going on it's no sleep they could get up and they could leave they can hear everything they're just in a nice relaxed state and we can start using what's called embedded commands so we can shift the use of our language so i could use very conversational type languages like and some people find that when they breathe in that they they, they can relax and maybe you will find that you will relax so you just change stuff like that and when you're in a state of relaxation the unconscious part of your mind is knowing the tone of your voice is just floating away and consciously you're aware of the words but when you just use a slight shift in certain languages the unconscious part of the mind pops up says what is that shift in the language, even though you might not be aware of it? So we end. and the idea is, is that you'll just get some a state of relaxation. If it's a traumatic event, then there's the, the law of opposite effect. So basically what that means is when you're relaxed you cannot be stressed. And when sometimes it's appropriate to start looking at some traumatic experiences in your life then if we disassociate you from that experience you're in a state of relaxation maybe you can get a different view on that maybe you can look at that a different way maybe you can process it in a more holistic beneficial way for how it suits you at this time in this place in your life whereas as opposed to at some other point in your life it might have been appropriate for you to have that idea that belief that behavior But now it's no. but because you've done it so many times, it's become so habitual that you think that this is who you are. So it's a process like that, but I like to think it as an idea is that you just drop into the unconscious part of the mind and just drop a seed of possibility. It's possible. And also... Um, to give you the ability to look at something that in this world of the conscious when we bring it up at this particular point might trigger the stress response but in a state of deep relaxation definitely disassociated you look at that in a more disassociated way so then when you see something at a different angle maybe you could make a different choice on that there.
0: there's one thing I need to come back to when you mentioned techniques there did you say tapping? <laughs>
1: And I tapping, so it's called. Um, so I think a guy, uh, Roger Callahan, done it. Was it touch fuel um, therapy? And then certainly it's come into EFT just now. It's something that I've looked at, which is is emotional freedom technique. That ah, is a guy, Gary. Oh, it's a sceptice. But the idea of tapping is it's tapping the meridian points. So you do step up statements. So you may say, for instance, like. Um, even though I am stressed at my work, I deeply and completely accept myself. Well, you're just tapping on the karate point in your hand there, and you would do it maybe three times. And then you would just go through the basic series. So you would just maybe get a, that's the setup statement, then the reminder statement would just be this stress, this stress, this stress, and you'd just start tapping on the different meridian points through your body. Um, And the idea is, is that it's, they're not entirely sure, but they believe that it's sending a signal to the amygdala. Uh, which is the, the the radar that's scanning the environment for any danger, um, and it sends us a, a, a signal to the amygdala, which allows you then to process whatever that stressful event is in a very um, much more beneficial way. It helps you to manage your stress. It's, it's a, it's a, I've been using the technique myself. Um, I think quite interesting actually.
0: Is there one rubbing points of your wrist together? Because I, I saw this thing. at it Glasgow Airport? Well, the people with flight phobias of flying, they put them all on a plane together. And one of the guys was doing that, like, as soon as he took off, he was monitoring his heart rate and it showed up and he was rubbing his wrists. I've never seen anything like that before. I don't know. It sounds, it was. I'm
1: not sure entirely what that be, but it could be that the um, behaviouring techniques is fairly useful as well. The technique, what they, they do is, is they get you to um, look at, that phobic event, that traumatic experience in real other So you would use the NLP technique, take yourself there and see it through your own eyes and hear it through your own ears and put what you're saying to yourself and feel what you are feeling. And you, what you really do is, is you calibrate the experience for somebody so you build up the experience, you get them to completely associate with it all, get them back to that time so that their memory starts processing the, the phobic, um, traumatic experience. And then what you do is, is that they start using start rubbing certain parts of our body. And what the idea is, is that you start flooding your brain with delta waves. And what, the, the, what they think is happening, they're not entirely sure, but what they think happens is, is that new, the neuron, which is the nerve cell in your brain, and apparently we've got 100 billion of aim, but what happens is, when neurons connect together, there's a term in neuroscience that says that nerve cells that fire together, wire together. So if you fire, so for instance, if the mind walks through electrical chemical signals, and apparently it's an am- AMBA receptors that come out of the nerve cell and connect to another nerve cell, and that creates the experience. And what they're suggesting is, is that when you flood the mind with um, the, um, delta waves, then the AMBA receptors retract back into the neuron, and that connection's then broken. So then you say to somebody within a quick period of time, "That tell me about the experience again, and they find it very difficult. To recall the experience, so I was watching a video last night as a lady, Carol Robertson, PhD from Edinburgh, who spent thirty, 30 minutes with a, a course, and she got one of the participants from the course, a fellow therapist, to go through the process. And he was he was saying that although I know what the memory is, I'm finding it very difficult to actually go back and associate with that memory of that traumatic experience. And they're not entirely sure why that happens but certainly they think that certainly delta waves are flooding the mind when it's grown but people are not able to recall what the traumatic stressful phobic response is and it happens almost instantly. It's it's bizarre but um, it seems to work. And that may be that process that you're talking about because you do some stuff, they rub your wrist, they rub your hands you rub yourself, you look at your eyes so it's like a bit like EMDR e- therapy so it's like you use your eyes, and you go left, right, go left, right, and it's like the lateralisation of the brain. I'm not sure what's going on there, but it's the memory goes, unbelievable, bizarre. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there seems to be a lot more experiences, or a lot more therapies that are coming up with stuff that is faster, like that, rather than the traditional. Let's go for sixty forms of therapy, which is sometimes appropriate, actually, for different things. The reason I came into that haven is uh, I went to a charity event with a lady called Anne Rowan who runs Chrissy's House Suicide Charity in Airdrie, which is fantastic. Anne's got her own story to tell, which is um, her son committed suicide, she went into two years of absolute hell. To climb out of that hell, she set up a house in Airdrie called Chrissy's House in memory of her son to for suicide prevention, suicide training, but just a safe house for anybody that's of low mood, that's suffering um, suicidal thoughts, that they can phone that, it's, believe it's man, 24 hours a day, and it's just a safe haven. And in that, they've got 40 different therapists, so they've got psychotherapists, CBT therapists, they've got hypnotherapists, they've got people doing NLP, they've got people doing recce. And what they found is, is that when somebody's in crisis and they massive trauma in their life, hypnotherapy isn't going to work. So you're not going to get somebody into a nice relaxed state when they're just ready to kill themselves. And they found that the most beneficial was havening. And then when they got the traumatic experience to die down on them almost instantly, then they were able to go through a, a longer term therapeutic outcome. So when she mentioned that to me, I then went and looked into it. A bit. so I'm going to go and do that on the 27th and the 28th of October uh, with that lady, Carol Robertson in Edinburgh. So it seems as if it's uh, it could be another tool technique which may be beneficial for some people. I'm not entirely sure if it would be beneficial for everybody because I don't know that like, much about it at this point.
0: As his questions get slightly more general now, so yeah. Part of what you do is encouraging people to find ways to get to, for them, a successful life. What would you say the components of a successful life? It really
1: depends because it's based on um, in each person. So I would suggest that being a, a brilliant partner is, a, is a, something that people should aspire to be. Being a great parent, whatever that means for you, is something that people should aspire to be being an exceptional business person if you're in business it should be what you should aspire to be being a tremendous employee in your career it should be something you should aspire to be if you are in that career now if you break that down if you're a teacher so i was talking to 28 teachers teach them stress management at their in service day on friday which two days ago and the idea is is what would you be a teacher for why are you a teacher are you a teacher Those teachers are under tremendous pressure no like real real pressure i mean they're like you know, there is um children with really traumatic experiences in their life and as a result of the traumatic experiences they're developing very bad coping habits which is can be very disruptive in a class and if you're in a teacher what would what's your intention to be a teacher now, that's a general question to each person and they would need to de- determine that ourselves, but If you decide that my intention to be a teacher is X, Y, and Z, then you need to get your behavior to match that intention on a daily basis, regardless of the circumstances that you're operating in. So people's ideas of success are very different. But what I always encourage people to do is is say, how are you spending your time right now? So what is the primary areas of your life right now? So for instance where are you spending your time your money and your energy and see if you look at those components so i am spending my time with my wife right there's an area i am spending my time with my children i am spending time earning money whatever capacity that be business employment um, i'm spending leisure time and my health's important is So it's like a bit like the wheel of life I'm, I'm getting in a, a coaching model. So you would say, right, we'll start ranking the areas of your life right now. Currently in your relationship with your primary partner, what is your relationship like? So then you would say, right, if 10 was exceptional and one was poor then where are you so say you were at a seven there what's your your relationship like with your children so then you could write a 10 a a nine whatever it may be so if you work through the the main areas of your life and you allocate them the next question you would look to say is well what is a 10 for you so what is a 10 for you in terms of your relationship with your children for instance so it could be well for me i started off um, i want to be an exceptional father But what does that mean? Because it's very general. Well, what that means for me is is that I would like to spend time talking to my children, I would like to spend time playing with my children, teaching my children, teaching them values, I would like to uh, uh, provide for them, so stuff like that, but you just get your model, that can be in your relationship as well, so back to the uh, the original question, how would you define it, somebody needs to define that themselves, but to define that themselves, they need to look at what roles that they are playing in life just now, and ideally, what is the best that you could be in each of their roles, define what the ideal scenario is then see how are you actually it up to that because too many people I believe including myself for a long time are looking outside their self for stuff to come inside their self and make their self comfortable happy joyful content but why not just decide what conditions need to happen For you to experience whatever it is that you would like to achieve in your life. And then say, what is it that I am doing that's stopping this from happening? Or what is it that I need to do more of to make it happen? And then it really becomes about, I decide what's going to happen in my life. I decide what my relationships are going to be like. I decide what type of father I'm going to be, what type of professional I'm going to be. I decide what my health's going to be like. And then I can start saying, well there's where I want it to be, here I am, now we know the journey, what is it that I can do? And obviously you look at feedback and you change it a bit. but if you make a commitment to decide that this is the type of person I'm going to be, this is the type of life that I'm going to live, then you can start saying, well, what, how do you define that? You would define that yourself because you have decided that this is the, how you're going to live your life. Are you living your life like that? Or are circumstances dictating particularly stress that, you're now living in survival, making choices based on protecting yourself rather than making choices based on how you can push yourself forward to whatever you decide your life should be like.
0: And uh, it's more specific to you, what are the things you think you feel, try that again, what things do you feel that you need in your regular routine, like your daily routine, your weekly routine, what are the things you feel you need to hit?
1: Well, my weekly routine, the most important thing for me is um, is to meditate, for sure. Absolutely for meditating, also stress management, because there is stress in all areas of life, you know, everything, all areas of life can be stressful, can be stressful. The demands of modern living make it such that the information flow that we are subjected to is almost incomparable to any other generation that's ever existed. So the, how we spend our time right now, and it's like faster, 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 let's get somewhere quicker so we can do whatever task that we're going to do there as fast as possible so we can run to the next task and do that as fast as possible. And we spend all this time running about, and the stress response is being activated in hundreds of thousands of ways every single year. Week, one year that we then, it could be like an email for your boss. Your child, no eating their veggie at night, their, your children, no sleeping through the night, your children being all well, your sex life, no being how you envision it. Start, loads and loads and loads of small um, instances that are switching on the stress response, and of course, massive amounts of co- um, adrenaline are starting to flow through our system. Everything that we're then, lots of times, we then starting to. Um, respond to what's happening in front of you by the experiences that we've had behind us so i think for me personally getting to a stage where i can manage my stress means that if i can manage my stress if i can get into a state of focus it means that i can focus on this task that i'm going to do at this time in this place and when i have finished that task at this time in this place i can move on to the next task and i can perform that task to the best of my ability and the next thing I found that the most beneficial thing that I've ever been able to do is meditate. Get into a deep meditative state. And then while I'm in that state, mentally rehearse the goals that are that I've already drafted. Rehearse same as I'm going through the day. And most people are aware of what they've got in front of them each day. So somebody will get up on a Monday morning. They generally know what time they're getting up at. They generally know how they're taking their coffee and the same cup that they've been using for other times they know generally they'll get shaved they'll brush their teeth the same way that they've always done it and they'll go leave the house round about the same time they'll go the same route to work using the same mode of transport they'll go into their work and they'll perform the same routine tasks in their work they'll finish the same routine tasks Talk to the exact same people they spoke to last Monday and then what'll happen is, is they'll go to it's the exact same thing that they go to on a Monday night, their Pilates, their gym, or they'll watch the exact they'll have the, the dinner generally on a Monday we have pasta pastor on a Tuesday we have so you get through this routine process in your life and basically what happens is it becomes so habitual, so um so run and all that you can actually predict your future because it's the same predictable future that you had the week before, the day before, and you just go through these series of routines, and then because we've spent so much time chasing after these careers, spending so much time earning this income to pay for this house, to pay for this motor, to provide for these nursery fees and stuff like that, that we've got very little free time for ourselves, and then we come through that exhausting day, we get to the end of it all, and we just sit down, They were the same stuff and got up and just did the exact same thing again. So, what I find meditation very useful is, is to have an idea, a plan. Who do you decide to be? What are you going to do in your life? What's important to you? Why is it important to you? Get into your state of meditation. While you're in the operating system of the mind, the unconscious part of the mind, become that. So if I'm on the Monday morning, I know what I'm going to be that day, I'll say, one of my goals is to be an outstanding in my work environment. So while I'm before, I'm in my work environment, I know what clients I'm meeting, I know what day I'm going to have. I just mentally rehearse being massively confident, being a great communicator, managing the meeting well, delivering well, communicating whatever it is that I'm looking to communicate in the best way that I could be. And then when I do that, I say, how would it feel if that was the case, I would, feel, I would feel confident, I would feel fulfillment, I would feel energy. Then I just feel confident, fulfillment, energy in a matter of seconds. And then I move on to the next task. Right, I'm going to spend, i am finished my work now, I'm going to be in the house for two hours. How do I want to be? Well, how's my model of being an outstanding or the ideal version of myself as a husband? What's my ideal version of myself as a father? Because now that's the role that I'm in two hours and my husband and, and my father and we're having more dinner so then I go through that and then I say right what am I going to do after that so I just mentally rehearse my day but I always um, visualize the main goals so I spend a bit of time being in the corporate world doing what I'm doing in the corporate world the reason I'm in the corporate world is it pays much more money which means that it frees up a bit more time that I can go and do the work for people who cannot afford that like lots of charities, care experience people, Chrissy's house, the chat lots of different places, I would love to give more of my time for the people who can not afford that because they need it. But they just can't afford to pay it. So if you go into Corporate World and train a hundred staff for a corporation at X amount ahead, it's cheap for them, generates massive amount of income for me and it frees up my time and then I can go into rehabs. I can then go and do stuff for Care experience shown people for charities that are mental health charities and stuff like that that are requiring mass goals but cannot afford to do it unfortunately. So I think the greatest thing that anybody can do for ourselves is learn how to meditate.
0: And in an ideal day, how long would you meditate for?
1: I would suggest that so it varies, but. Somebody just starting off. When I start somebody off with meditating, I normally get them to do the deep abdominal breathing to flush out the toxic chemicals of stress for three minutes. I then teach them an induction technique, which is being a bit mindful and using your breath, just doing a body scan for um, a further seven minutes. And then i what we we draft the ideal version of ourselves and I just get them to spend two minutes be no, Just be there. So whether that's healthy. So if you're in the operating system in the mind and say you're suffering from Parkinson's disease and stuff like that and you've got a model of perfect health, what would perfect health be for you and why would you, how would you feel if you had that? Well, if you're only gonna use your imagination anyway, why not use your imagination to have perfect health? for 10 minutes in a deep meditative state and literally in that experience your mind does not know what's happening in reality and what is happening by thought alone so for 10 minutes that day you are perfectly healthy then you rise up for that experience and you go about your daily life now of all that's happening is is that you've experienced massive health for that period of time then it's good because most people use their scent and use their imagination to sabotage themselves to predict a future reality in the worst case scenario, and by that thought alone, they switch on the stress response. But the opposite must also be true. If you can predict a future reality in the best case scenario, what would you switch on? You would switch on the chemicals that will produce the sensations equal to that experience. Now, if it was me, and my goal was to be massively healthy, I would be thinking, well, if I'm experiencing ultimate health, then I would have great energy i would feel strong i would feel clear-minded i would feel happy and joyful well be there just become that, in your imagination in the operating system of the mind plant a seed or possibility it's possible to be there and then rise up for that step into your daily life and become that. now that's using health but you could also use that for confidence so you say right see today i'm gonna be ultra happy ultra confident and a tremendous communicator And then you just set yourself up at the start of the day to go nearer. Because I've been doing it for so many years, what I tend to do is is I'll meditate for, I give myself an hour, but generally general about 45 minutes in the morning. I will then throughout the day do a series of deep abdominal breathing or some tapping. I'll sometimes do 20 minutes of meditation at lunchtime. Um, Again, just visualisation and I'll probably finish with about 45 minutes to an hour at night time as well. So... Normally maritine works like this because I have got so much um studying growing and so much retraining. Maritine normally goes half past five I wake up at I meditate to half six. Half six to nine o'clock I'm having my breakfast in here. Um and also study. Nine o'clock to three o'clock I'm doing tax consultancy and accountancy type work. Three o'clock to five o'clock I'm doing either studying, seeing one to one clients or planning um workshops and events. Five o'clock to seven o'clock I'm in the house with um, the, my wife and my boys. And then from seven o'clock to ten o'clock I'm mean, either doing workshops, I'm in rehabs training people, I'm doing one-to-one clients or um are in the house. So family time massively important as well. Always um allocate a day for the family at least in the weekend. So either full day Saturday, Sunday I mean be generally day stuff The nature of the training that I've been doing for the last 12 weeks or so has meant that the weekends have all been training. So that is a massive, massive task force. And there's a number of things that can happen inside that that can fling that out the window or push it to the side or move things about. I would only be able to do that if I am of managing my own stress levels, if I'm really looking after myself and I find it very beneficial that... That time of meditation, I see that as a time of creation. So I am creating a future reality and I am c- literally creating the synaptic connections in my mind as if the event is actually happening.
0: So, say you're at a party tonight, let's have an imaginary party tonight, and someone asks what you, what you do, what do you say?
1: I would tell them I'm a transformational coach. That's the language that I use. Now, the reason I use that language is that I heard um, one of the trainers. Who's been training us and coaching in NLP? Um, that's the term that she she uses. She says she is in the transformational business, and that's what I use. I am a transformational coach. To help um, achieve that, I use a variation of hypnotherapy, NLP, dynamic meditation, stress management, and hypnosis. That's that's the base. and life coaching as well. Um, personal performance coaching. Each of the different. Um, each of the, those different tools, techniques have got a number of um, different techniques within them which would be appropriate for the individual. So, for instance, if you were a master NLP practitioner, then if somebody comes and sees you, then you will do NLP. Very. Generally, people, involved in NLP, which has got two functions, actually. NLP for training, for corporate training, for sales, for... Um, Mirroring, pacing, uh, matching, building rapport, tremendous for a sales capacity, but NLP's got a number of techniques attached to it as well for deep change. So if you're an NLP practitioner, then you would use NLP in somebody, but it might not always be appropriate. If you hypnosis would be appropriate for some things and not appropriate for other people. For instance, I had somebody on here fairly recently who had a phobia about whatever the phobia was, um, and for whatever reason, they developed a cough just as you're starting to induct and deepen them. Deep so it's just the resistance, the unconscious mind is putting up a resistance to get into that. So, what you do, to do there then is you use NLP. So, it's got to do a hypnotic technique, but then you just use NLP and do a fast phobia cure. You can do anchoring, you can do swish patterns, changing air modality. So, there's lots of different ways to travel, but it would be specific for what's in front of you just now.
0: So, so, speaking of uh, goal setting, where do you see dynamic creation in 10 years' time? Well,
1: what, I, what, I, what I'm looking to do is, in 10 years' time, the, the real goal, to be quite honest with you, is, to, as I say, to be in the corporate world, so to go one and do corporate training. So, in my mind, I'm thinking two days corporate training. Um, so, that could be stress management, managing change, coaching executives, coaching uh, corporate uh, organisations and managing change managing sales teams um, so stuff like that um, now that just requires additional skills that are ongoing just now but that is the real idea so for instance last week I was in a rehab um, teaching them deep abdominal breathing so that's stress management Um, stress management all last week in fact on Tuesday I done my own workshop which was fairly quiet this time there was about 30 people in there teaching them. um Stress management as well. Wednesday I was in a, a company called the Wise Group who um do stuff for people in the community, people coming out of prisons and stuff like that. Very stressful job. With so many staff in there are, they they work with lots of women who are coming out of prison and they've had I, I mean the, the women in prison in this country, it's a disgrace, actually, that lock will look any woman up. But they're obviously repeat offenders, but they've had massive sexual abuse, massive trauma in their life. They've come out of there, they're homeless, their senses are screaming out to them. that They're in survival mode. They've got very bad coping habits with drug addiction, alcohol. They're selling their bodies in the streets, some of the women that these people are working with. Uh, can you imagine how stressful that is for yourself? to you know what it's like to park that go up there go up to your own house play with your own children your own partners after and the outcome for some of these people that you're working for is bleak it's very bleak Do you know people are dying regularly people are overdosing people are being raped and sexual assaulted. horrible stuff horrible so it's a case of teaching them techniques to help them manage their stress because the idea again is what's your intention here why are you working in here Right, we need to get your behaviours to match your intentions because if your behaviours can match your intentions, you will do massively good work and the people that you're working for will have better outcomes. But if you're building up relationships with these women and men, there's men as well there, young young offenders and adult prisoners, if you're building up a relationship with them and you're leading them to a, a better outcome, they're responding to the work that you're doing and then you need to go after two months sick because the stress levels that you're experiencing are just you just can't date anywhere then that relationship ends and the next person that steps in to take that might not have the rapport of the relationship with that person and the journey might cease right there. So it was in today that as well. I was also on Thursday, I was up East Goldbride, I'd done that for free actually, uh, for, it was Mental Health, National Mental Health Day on Wednesday. So on there I went up and done a stress management for the community as well attended actually it was about forty odds at that. And then on Friday I was in the, the teachers at school. So there is lots of different things going on at lots of different times. I do lots of one to one therapies with people as well, which is some's coaching, some is hypnosis, some is N L P change work, people with phobias. So uh, what was the question again actually, Raymond? I just started <laughs> um, rambling on it. Aye, so the goal, so aye, that's it. So the goal, the real goal there is to get into the corporate world because the idea is, because I was in the care system myself, you know that, do you know that, aye, so I was in the care system myself, had massive trauma in my early childhood, it meant that by, now I'm not sure if this is primary five or primary six, um, but I have never been to school since then, so I had to leave the educational system at that point. I was so ashamed about the fact that I was coming for a children's home in the first place. My behaviour and my coping strategies were so extreme for in a classroom environment. It just wasn't I wasn't able to continue in that type of education. They put us in residential centres out in the country where 50 other children boys and girls around about the same age who also had massive trauma in their life as well and education when you're in the survival mode which is your stress response caused to switch on is no high on your list of criteria so we had like, a wee bit of woodwork a wee bit of playing about with computers and stuff but they did try and educate us in some places um, some responded to it some of us did they um, as a result of that when i was 16 I was discharged, if that's the right word, so they gave up their responsibility for me. Now, 25 years ago, when you were 16, um, and we all had very bad coping habits, solvents abuse, We smoked. I smoked cigarettes when I was 7, until I was uh, 32. Now, the remarkable thing about that, I seen you a wee shift your eyes, that in the care system, they used to give you 4 cigarettes a day when you were 10. So when you were 10, the staff held your cigarettes and a lighter. Every morning after your breakfast, you went into the smoking room and they handed out cigarettes to everybody and you ticked your name off the list. That when you were 13, you get seven fags a day. Now, this is only 25 years ago and it's a different environment at that time. When we were 16, we were out the door, I think, I'm saying 250 quid, because it's a good number, it might have been 350 quid, in a set so in Paul Shields, we addiction problems, mental health problems, no idea how to live my life, real emotional problems and always we done is I got some cheap furniture, I'll say IKEA, but IKEA wasn't about it that time, so pre-packed furniture in this room, bought a big bottle of hash, some cheap wine, when the money ran out I was like what do you do and what happened to me is, is I progressed right into the Young Offenders Institution. Now the key thing we all this is is that there was a perception of when I was seven, when the real trauma was going on in my life, when I we first went into the childcare system, I was in a place in Brighton. they put us into a school just across the road, normal primary school, along with the other children from the home, and I was bullied rotten because I went to bed repeatedly, I smelled a pish, um, I had really bad coping habits, so my behaviour in the classroom was wild, so people were trying to bully, so I was fighting all the time anyway, I was fighting back. And I remember somebody saying once you, oh, all the other children, they've no got any parents. So it was, they've no got them and that. And another wee guy, it was way on, in the same class shouted, listen, you better watch out, they're not even at home because they're bad boys and bad girls. So see when you're seven, your analytical mind has not really formed and psychology will say that your core beliefs are really formed around about the age of seven. I've either got to accept that my parents, for whatever reason, have decided that they kinda of look after us so they don't want you because that's the, the the message that you're getting or uh, the only reason I'm in the care system is because I'm a bad boy. So you, that's the belief that I then adopted and so did everybody else but the perception of people in the care system at that time is, is that we were bad boys and we were bad girls. And because of that, and because of the shame we experience for that, then we end up with very bad coping habits, which became a self-fulfilling prophecy. So here I am in a young offenders institution with no real hopes, no ambition, no education, and nothing beyond my current day. So it's day-to-day living. There is no goal setting because life is so painful at this point that it's about surviving this day, and whatever we pick up tomorrow, then we'll pick that up. Can you imagine how angry I became in my mid-30s when I discovered the statistics behind the care experienced people that is happening even right now? So, for instance, here's the statistics, right? 45% of 5 to 17-year-olds that's called looked after, so care experienced, have got a diagnosed mental health problem. Um... Pullman Young Offenders Institution, now I'm going to just guess at this, I think the statistics is 2016, 50% of the Young Offenders in Pullman Young Offenders Institution have care experience, sort of been in the care system. No, you're only 18 to 21 in there. So, um, what was the other statistics behind that? You're 20 times more likely to die by the age of 25 if you're care experienced than other heads of population. 69% access higher education when... Um, when they leave school, as opposed to 39% of your... So the statistics are shocking. So Nicola Sturgeon in 2016, it's actually, um, there was an organisation called Who Care Scotland who was set up 30 years ago to advocate the rights of people experiencing care because the people that were working in the system were like, this is an absolute disgrace what's going on here. The outcome is shocking. Um, but they've, uh, they've pushed and pushed and pushed. So they end up getting parliamentary time and the laws changed. So there's a thing called corporate parenting now. So if you're, so I mean people in the care system, it's like um, parents committing suicide, parents parents getting murdered, alcoholic, addiction, sexual abuse, real massive trauma when they go into the system. And this is what happened to me. Me and my brother went into the system. He's three year older than me. They put him in one side of the country and they put me in another side of the country. The idea being we were too disruptive with we together. So we've no get anybody really and then the person that we do have is that they, they split us apart. So we've still got parents, they had their own challenges at that time, they've certainly overcame them just now. But me and my brother were in these systems moving about so I had to go and stay with him every three months in his home for a weekend just to see him. So by the time we leave the care system he's a stranger. He's a stranger and I'm a stranger and we've got all this tra- uh, trauma before we went in and then we're re-traumatised with the events that happened inside there. So here we get and I start discovering all that. So the reason I know it's because I did a lot of work behind it all. So the real goal behind that is, is that um, I can earn enough money so that I can go in and teach young offenders, people in the care system, people who are in the homeless right now because of the experiences in early life, techniques that will allow them to downgrade their stress response that will teach them by themselves how to get in deep meditative states and to just imagine an outcome better than the outcome that they're experiencing right now but not just that it's also to then start highlighting which lots of people are so for instance who cares scotland put get parliamentary time, go to young people in front of Alex Salmond, who was the First Minister at the time, and says, right, Mr Salmon, you know about corporate parenting, the government's responsible, local authorities are responsible for people in its care, can you ask this young man, where he's staying, can you ask him, homeless, can you ask him, just out of prison? So, I don't know the actual dynamics of the story, but just to make the story go along, so, parliament are like aghast, it gets about a local press, thank God. We've got a very reactive government here. All of a sudden, Nicola Sturgeon, in October, I think, 2016, announces an independent care review on the back of the sex abuse scandals and stuff like that we had because of the Jimmy Savile stuff during England. We normally eh, model the, the, the processes that they're doing. Here's a top-to-head to review. Now, the woman that does that review is a woman called, who was appointed, Fiona Duncan, who has also had her own traumatic experiences. I've always been s- s- uh, sceptical about these reviews. She phones us up and she says, and just talking to her, you know this is a different kettle of fish here. This is the real deal that's going to happen. So I get accepted onto an appointment to work with the workers on there because that's my school base is about stress management. But the idea is, they're a date already anyway. It puts massive strain on time management. So I go into a, a rehab, a community-based rehab called Phoenix Futures on a Monday night. And go through normally. We've done a four week process. I've done a twelve week process. I'm in, uh I'm going to do a five week one. Week three is Morris. We teach them stress management, deep abdominal breathing, so that they can start managing their stress. Next week, you go in and teach some meditation, so that they can start getting into a meditative process. This week, we'll start getting in and developing the ideal version of yourself, What is your ideal version of yourself? How should you be conducting yourself? How would you communicate? And when you build that model. Which your ideal job? Which your ideal as a parent? Which your ideal as a partner? Stuff like that. They develop their ideal. Teach them how to do that. The idea is they get into a deep meditative state and become that mental rehearsal in the morning. Your ideal version of yourself is to do X, Y, and Z. Is to respond to adversity like this. Is to deal with difficult emotions like that. Read that every day, go into the meditative state, become a mental rehearse, right, you're going to go to this appointment today. Right? How does your ideal self deal with that appointment? You're going to experience this today, a difficult conversation, maybe a job interview, maybe you're going to go into volunteering. Your stress response is switched on, you're full anxiety about that. How does your ideal, so just get them to put themselves in these positions, just so that the belief, the seed of possibility is grown inside them. But the real thing that I think is is that people who are working with young people in that environment are experiencing the workers are experiencing unprecedented levels of stress. Do you know? And the statistics for the Health and Safety Executive will tell you that they're dropping off the edge of the cliff. like flies after six years. They need to leave that place. And where Amor is. If you go into that with nominal training, by the way, very nominal training. If you go on there with nominal training, you build up relationships with young people. You become very experienced. You know how to manage young people. You know their moods, their temperaments. You know how to reach them. You know how to guide them on a better outcome. But because of what you're experiencing in your work environment, you need to leave after six years. Where does all that experience go? So the idea being that we can equip the workers we are far better um, set of self-care techniques that will enable them to then get their intentions, their behaviours to match their intentions because we've got this model just now which is CBT. There's different projects running different hands but normally cognitive behavioural therapy is the therapy that people are using for uh, young offenders and in the care system. Behavioural therapy. But it's not always appropriate. Oh, as it would be appropriate but the young people are always no always responding and going on that journey. And if you're seeing a CBT therapist once a week for two hours or an hour at a time fine great if you go on that journey but you're spending 40, 50 hours working with the workers that are working with you anyway. So, if the workers are spending 50 hours with you, they're equipped with techniques that can help them manage their own stress, then they're more equipped to then build the relationship with a young person, which is crucially important if there's going to be better outcomes, and then start planting seeds of possibility about a different outcome beyond what they've experienced up to that particular point. And maybe we'll end up with a situation where. We'll get a, we'll get a project, for instance, where 30, I know there's one that's already in the pipeline, where 30 young people run about the, leaving the care, but also the criminal justice system will go into a project, and what will happen in that project is, say it's a fourth, fourth tier prong, the first part of that is, is they'll get trauma training. So they'll be, tra- they'll be trained in how to deal with the own trauma with lots of different psychosensory uh, therapies, meditation, yoga, EFT, um, could be self-hypnosis, could be self-meditation. There could be lots of different stuff, so the, the, the details are a bit sketchy. The second part of that process will be vocational, educational type skills. The third part in that project will be then work experience using the um, educational vocational skills that they've learned, and the fourth part in that project will be full time employment. So the idea behind that is an eighteen month project consistency where that there'll be lots of support wrapped around about the young people who go through the process, they'll get paid living wages They'll going through it, because it's crucial that they, they, that needs to happen. And at the end of that 18-month period, they've had enough techniques and enough support that they can manage their own traumatic response, eh, stress responses, and now they're in the work environment, they can get self-respect, self-love, and by that maybe the, the if we can roll that model out successfully maybe the instances of young people leaving care will be a bit much better outcomes better outcomes for young offenders because quite honestly what is the point of sending and even the government's talking about us, sending people to prison for 12 months when all that they're experiencing is we're criminalising people's responses to massive traumatic experiences you know so a young person's been sexually abused as a child went into the care system re-traumatized right through the board education's no high on the list they then get discharged for all that their bad coping habits result in uh, criminality because they've been up front of a judge oh he's got a terrible outcome in his life right we'll give him that chance that chance Just because they don't take that chance now they end up in the criminal justice system and now you're a criminal instead a victim of the circumstances in your life, how can we help these young people um, and adults to reintegrate back into society, believe that it's possible for them to then go into education, to go and get a job to use the resources that me and you are able to use on a daily basis and if we can start doing that then what happens is the intergenerational um, cycle of um, unemployment cycle of abuse cycle of traumatic experiences and imprisonment, I then that can all start shifting as well. And the, the, the Scottish government are absolutely talking about 12-month prison centres, let's get them away, get them into more community-based structural rehabilitation stuff. And there's the advent in prisons now of recovery cafes and lots of good stuff going on. So that's more really that I want to do. Unfortunately, that type of what Disney pie, a lot of money and that's why I need to get the skills, the ability to go into the corporate world that will pay that over the course of two or three days gives me the amount of salary that I need to support, my family and uh, gives us the life that we think we deserve but also allocates two days that I can start getting involved more in these types of projects. So that's the real goal for Dynamic Creations.
0: Yeah so basically like set up at childhood Kind of set up for failure. I mean, like obviously you've managed to escape that. What would you attribute to
1: meditation? So when I was nineteen years of age, I was in um, the Confessional Offenders Institution. Um, you now at that point, I'm believing like there's something fundamentally wrong with me. Do you know I must be, my ext- I know that my is extreme, but. I'm not even really questioning it, I'm just rolling where I'm in a very violent environment, don't forget at this particular time as well, in the early 90s, we had massive radicalisation in the local communities in Glasgow, certainly the disadvantaged communities where knife crime was rampant, so people were going to school with knives, so I've got a few knife wounds on me as well, other people, when we went into the prison systems, people were getting slashed and stabbed all over the place repeatedly. So we were in a situation where my stress response was already up. Every home that we went into it was like getting into a a mini young offenders institution, regardless of the the outcome. So when I was in there, I was in, uh, my behaviour was so extreme while I was in there, I was in, it's called The Digger, not The, the Magazine, The cheap Magazine is about just now, but it's The Segregation Unit. And I'd been in there for a number of months and there was an organisation called The Prison Ashram Fellowship who were massive in America, went into all the main institutions there, top prisoners, yoga and meditation is a means of valuing themselves. because if they value themselves, then it's likely that they'll start valuing people around about them. So now, people who have been involved in Eastern traditional um, practices know that know that anybody who's meditated for a long period of time will never know meditate. So, you know that's an absolute fact because the benefits that are accruing. So what i is, is I got some literature after we came into that establishment. I got some literature and started these yoga type breathing techniques and meditation. Within six months of that, I'm in the education department. Then looking for a process of learning so my mind started exploring the possibility now that journey developing a bad coping habits took another till i was 24 before they really started eradicating and then i set on a journey of it was possible for me to enter into education establishments get myself some qualifications that will enable me to move forward in my life and this is where we are at this particular point but anybody's experienced that type no, anybody it's a very general statement but Lots of people who have had the types of experiences that I have had, there is still that residue of trauma just lying under the surface. And that was why I went through these processes to find techniques to heal myself completely so that I can have the absolute best experience in life that I can. And then as a result of that, I take the concept of... Each person should drag somebody else along them. So if you can learn some stuff that's changed you, then it can also possibly change somebody else. Now whether it will or won't, who knows. But rather than pigeonholing them, they'll no change, they'll no change, they'll no change. Give them the techniques, the tools, the opportunities for them. If they so choose, maybe they can have the same type of experiences for me. And this is where I am where then I look back and I go, my past is absolutely my greatest asset because I look back with no with trauma, no with shame, no with guilt, but with feedback, experience, and just realising that at that time in my life, I made some choices that had I had new information, if I had, then I would have made a different choice. But I made the best choice I could at that particular time. Looking back, I would say that that is probably the worst choice that I could have made, but the intention at that time was this is the best choice that I can make. Now that you look back now, it's just experience. You know, I look back now and I say there's that experience so that I now know what to do and not what to do. No longer ashamed about it all because the past is my greatest asset. I can use the experiences to move into this field, care experience and give other people the experience that possibly can set them free. Or and put them on the path of crawling back to life one inch at a time, and that there looks and say, that 25 years, what was all that about? This is what all that was about. So it means something, because if it doesn't mean something, then it's just trauma, carnage, shame, guilt, for nothing. But now you look back and you say, well, that experience which is now wholly beneficial, but there was a process there at Raymond, what i done is, is I hypnotised myself, and I took myself back, it's called timeline, took myself back to the very first traumatic experience, that I could remember, and I went and visited that wee boy, and I went and told that wee boy, he was going to go on a journey, and missing just me and myself, and my subconscious mind, and I told him the resources, that he was going to need, to go on that journey, so it's like an inner child sort of job, and then, I rewrote my history as a result of it. And because I rewrote my history, I was able to reassociate what had previously been massive traumatic experiences. And how trauma basically works is, you have an experience which is such an emotional quotient um, that your mind picks up, looks at the sensations in the body, looks at how you're interpreting the sensations in such a negative way. could be shame, guilt, um, horrible stuff. The mind takes a snapshot of it, like a hologramic image encodes that with the emotion that you felt at that particular time, fear, anger, rage sticks that into long term storage called a memory and then your senses through the amygdala sensory data starts flooding in through what you see here or feel It's generally the ones but also what you smell and what you, what you taste and what happens there is is that your brain associates that with any past traumatic event I am seeing something that reminds me very much like that last time and the amygdala goes like that Get ready. Switches on the stress response. Nanoseconds. Signal goes down your uh, spinal cord. Bump. Adrenal organs start pumping. Your heart starts going through your chest because it needs to get oxygen-rich blood. Tear the extremities so you can either run for your life or fight for your life. A result of that is you start sweating, the well, I start sweating overheating, the eyes start narrowing. We've got a term in Glasgow, he's growing at it. is somebody who's watching their prey, they're in survival mode, your mouth goes dry, you kind of get a conscious thought because the blood moves away from the frontal cortex, the uh, frontal lobe, to the back, to the middle of the brain, the back of the brain where the automatic uh, programs are, certainly the autonomic nervous system. And as a result of that, then literally what happens is your senses. Are now starting to provide information. You're associating in a highly negative way and switching on the stress response. That's what trauma does to people. And we have got tens of thousands of young people, fifteen thousand roughly, in that ex- in the care system right now, and probably hundreds of thousands over the last ten years that have graduated like I, that are living under massive conditions of stress because of the trauma they've experienced in their life. And now they've developed very bad coping habits you know, to help them deal or cope right now we what their senses are then triggering as danger it's a, it's a massively challenging situation um, but that's why this is where this, this is what this is all about and every day I go down and I just see the outcome, I see, see, see the outcome, I see the outcome I see the outcome, rise up for that deep meditative state and all I've done is just planted the seed in my mind and now I'm saying to my senses this is what I want here and now my senses are being ultra vigilant for anything that I can see, hear, feel, smell, or taste it will take me one step closer to the, the, the goals. So rather than my senses working against us, I've now reassociated and my senses are working for us because now we think about us, right? Now I don't know because um, I'm not a scientist, but apparently I've heard different stuff. So we got hundreds of millions of bits of data enter your central nervous system each second. I've heard as much as hundreds of billions. Now you think about us, right? You can see everything in this room. Right behind us all the books that's in there. You leave here and walk up that road and you will not remember anyone in any one of the books unless you've read it, right? But I've now that I've said that to you, you will probably look at it and something's caught your attention. And when you're walking up the road now, you will remember it, right? So, because you've told, you've now planted a seed that that's what you're interested in. So, we get so much data that we're can't process it all. There's a bit of volume of information saying we're unconscious. It's stolen it all, but mostly we're just short-term memories just pushing it all away. But if we're interested in something, then when we see that thing that we're interested in, it, we become aware of it. So we're seeing it anyway. So for instance, if you say, right, I want a, a, a red car, a red Audi, red Audi, red Audi, red Audi, you're, everywhere you go, you will see red Audis because you've told your brain you think, Wow, what he's read out these. this is like magic. They've always been there. You've just never paid attention because you've been focused on something else. That's the idea about dynamic forms of meditation. Plant the seed, tell your mind what you're interested in. Now your senses are bombarding you with information. You will notice it and it takes you one step closer to that. And now you start paying attention to stuff. Oh, there that's there. That's amazing. It's like the law of attraction. I just thought this and all of a sudden that's turned up. It was already there. You've just never seen it because you were focused on something else. So, that's yeah,
0: it's a, a wee bit there. Guys, we've overran. here, um, I'll hit you with know the final question, then, just for the listeners, if there's any sites, social media, books, anything you'd like to check out? Uh, definitely. I definitely. Uh, good resources is always uh,
1: Eventbrite. There's loads of stuff on Eventbrite. Look at your local area, type in meditation, hypnosis. There's people, there's guys like me out there, um, they know all sorts of workshops regularly. Some will be great, and some will be rubbish. Um... Or some will be great, and some will just not be for you. They'll not. None nah, nah, of nah, them will be rubbish. They'll be good for some people, no good for others. Um, so there's loads of that. Google's a fantastic resource. I mean, it's like ignorance is really a choice now. I mean, if we, if Albert Einstein had the, the ready uh, available, uh, information that we've got, then um, how far developed would we be? So other stuff I like is a guy called Doctor Joe Dispenser. So there's lots of stuff that he does. Um, evolve your brain, break the habit, being yourself, becoming supernatural he's got a website, he's got lots of courses on there, he'll explain uh, epigenetics, um, genetics um, neuroscience he'll talk about quantum physics, he'll talk about deep meditation so he's he's very very popular just now, I would suggest people look at him, another good resource is uh, the TAPM solution Get a, to look at different TAPMs look at um, Havening Technique as well, just google that, you'll see Paul McKenna and stuff like that does that NLP is very useful as well. There's lots of stuff, Dr. Richard Bandler's on um, Grinder. There's lots of stuff about the AIM. There's lots of stuff about self-hypnosis online as well. Guided meditations, there's lots of things like that. Um, Dawson Church is another guy, he's EFT, he's very good. The book he writes is uh, Mind Matter. And why I like Joe Dispenza and Dawson Church and any He House author, to be quite honest with you, um, Bruce Lipton Greg Braden, Lynn McTaggart they are providing the science scientific studies that lots and lots of people are doing but they are saying look here is this thing that I'm looking to teach you now here's the science behind it all here's the technique and here's the body of research that supports us going make your own mind up with So that's what a lot of them are saying. A lot is coming for this new type of energy psychology. Of course, there's also my Facebook page, which is called Dynamic Creations. I'm on Twitter, it is at GeraldNeil2. I am on Instagram for uh, Dynamic Creations 3580. I think that is. I'm on LinkedIn, Gerald Neil So I'm doing lots and lots of different courses as well. Um, but the main stuff that I'm doing is uh, Dr. Joe Dispenser. There's um, loads and loads... Eventbrite, I would suggest, is a, a tremendous platform. Really quite a tremendous platform. But the way that it works is, if our minds are a reflection of everything that we've ever experienced up to this particular point, and... If we just go into a habitual habit of getting up, drinking coffee, getting up at the same time, going to the same work, talking to the same people and stuff like that, and then all that we're doing is, is that we're just repeating everything that we've always done. And if you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you are always got. So if your life is not gaining exactly what you thought it was going to give you at this time, if you keep doing the same stuff, it's likely that it's still no going Now, how the mind works with synaptic. Syn- syn- Um, semantic memory is, is that there's two ways to change your mind. Apparently, first one is... Taking, reading a new book, get your mind to work differently. New information that you've not previously read, your mind then needs to work differently because there are some new concepts, some new ideas. And the other one is novel experiences. Go and do new things, have new experiences, meet new people, do things out of the ordinary because then the mind starts working differently. And when the mind starts working differently, so the synaptic connections in your mind start firing a different combinations, you are literally creating a new mind. And if we create a new mind then... What we're learning basically becomes building blocks that we can use to piece together concepts, ideas for new experiences in life. And I like what Joe Dispenza says. He basically says that if you keep on having the same thoughts... Then, based on the same thoughts, you're going to have the same menu of choices. Now, based on the same menu of choices, that you're going to act or behave, you need to do something. So, you're going to have the same actions and the same behaviours. These same actions and the same behaviours will lead to a experience, and that experience will create some feelings, and these feelings will create many the same thoughts, which means many the same choices, many the same actions, behaviours, many the same experiences, and many the same feelings. And now our life is just this predictable model but if we can generate new thoughts through new experiences or new information coming in, it means that we'll have another choice a choice that we never had previously because we're having different thoughts. And that different choice means that we can have a different action and we can act and behave in a different way. And if we act and behave in a different way, to our wife, to our children, in our work environment, for our health, then we will have a different experience. And that different experience will create a new feeling. And that feeling, if we date often enough, will create merely the same thoughts So we'll start thinking and feeling, feeling and thinking in a much more positive way holistic, beneficial way that all serves better than the previous model. However, if your life working fantastically well, you just keep doing very the same stuff. Most people are experiencing some challenges in their life. Stress is a massive, massive issue. People are using the chemical model of stress. Now which might be appropriate for some people and it might not be. However, if we are taking chemicals to lie on the receptor sites in our cell because we're experiencing massive amounts of stress in our life, it's likely that the lifestyle choices that we've made will be still the same choices that we are making. So we'll still be in the same environment, doing the same routine tasks, talk to the same people. And if that's what's causing the stress, just taking a chemical to numb that receptor site so we don't feel it, isn't he going to change the external circumstances? Whereas if we have the full cognitive use of our brain, instead of getting into survival mode and the blood going to the middle, or the back of the brain, if the blood flows at the front of the brain and we're learning new information through that point, we can start making new choices which might, after a period of time, have a better long-term effect on our genetics, on our health, own our, um, our energy, own my thought processes, own our relationships, and ultimately own my life. So I would definitely suggest look for new experiences, learn new information, create new choices for yourself.
0: That's a great way to end it. So Jed, thank you very much. You're very welcome, Raymond. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.